Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey there, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 67. Ooh, on Mikes. Yeah, Takeshi Mikes. First Love 2019, or the Japanese oh, word wow. Hatsukoi, I think. Ah. Um, how are you doing, Brett? I'm okay. Um, I am on the second week of my new job, Woo-hoo. so um, I'm adjusting because I come in an hour earlier than normal. Um, yeah. It's nice. It's just different. It's an adjustment. My body's kind of tired, but mm-hmm. I can't complain. How about you? I'm good. I had kind of a rough night last night. I woke up, and then Gizmo woke me up. So I didn't have a ton of sleep, but I did get to watch this movie a couple times. This movie, though, isn't crazy super complicated, but I think it's a fun watch, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, Did you have any housekeeping, Britt? I did not. Did you have any housekeeping? Uh, Just that, sorry, our episode's super long last week. Uh, I don't, I don't see, it kind of flows fine. Um, from what I remember, and we've had, like, a ton of listens today, like, usually we have as many listens as we had today, we usually have that in a week for an episode, so thanks, guys, for listening to this one. Great on that standpoint, so I guess people don't care that it's two hours, so hopefully y'all can (laughs) uh, chop it up if you need to. Um, did you see anything interesting or new or fun this week, Britt? I really, I'll be honest, I've been kind of, it was a tiring week. Um, my One of my husband's best friends got married, and he oh, yeah. was the best man at the wedding, which was, it's lovely. We yes. love weddings. We're not saying that. Uh, it's just a lot to prep for a wedding, um, and especially when your husband's involved in, like, um, giving the rehearsal, yes. doing the rehearsal stuff and the speech and all that. So I've only been able to watch some episodes of TV shows, but I did uh, American Horror Stories had its uh, season finale, series finale. Yeah. They're going to do another season of American Horror Stories. I watched the first story, finally. I watched the first two episodes. This is really mean. Do you feel underwhelmed? That's my general feeling about this. I mean, honestly, I wasn't even expecting them doing horror stories. So, I wasn't expecting a lot. I only saw the first two episodes, which is the Rubber Woman episode, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. I liked all the people on it. I just, like, it was kind of a weird story, but I almost liked it. I feel like it's almost a stronger way to do American Horror Story because, like, the first few seasons, I think we've, we've said this before, but the first, like, three seasons especially are very strong narratively. yeah. But then, like, all the other seasons, it's like they run out of steam two-thirds of the way through. Like, they have, like, a really good idea, but they, like, it's like Twin Peaks. Like, they they give you the the twist too early or, like, the big reveal too early, and then it's just like, oh. And I don't know if it's because they don't have as much time to write them 
or if they're just running out of ideas. But, like, Freak Show was like that. It started out really good, and then it just kind of flopped. Roanoke was the only yeah. one after Coven that I thought was a good through line the entire season. So I think it's maybe better to do these little short stories. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen the first two episodes, which is the same story. Anyways, but yeah, so I did I did watch that too. Did you watch any other TV shows? Yeah, I did. I actually, um, I am loving Marvel's What If, but I'm also a big animation fan. So um, yeah. on Disney Plus, Marvel's doing the What If. And so the first episode is What If... Um, Peggy Carter took the serum and became Captain Carter. And the right. second episode, I love the first episode. The second episode is what if T'Challa was Star Lord, and I yeah. love that episode too. Was I it, it was amazing? Yeah. How did they do so that? Good. Did they have someone else do all the voices now? No, it was actually um, Chadwick Boseman's uh, last acting role before Aww. he passed away. So Chadwick Boseman is actually T'Challa in the What If series. I was very confused if it was, like, a through-line narrative or if it was, like, individual episodes. Because I've seen the commercials, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it is. As of right now, it's set up like it's individual episodes. But I don't know if that's going to change by the season end. Like, if they're going to connect together. But right right now, it seems like alternate realities. Um, The only one I think that wasn't able to come back and reprise the role was... um, Chris Evans wasn't able to do uh, Captain America or Steve Rogers in the first episode, but all the other major actors have come back and are the characters. Chris Evans? Um, what the F? He's too busy talking to Lizzo. He may have been working. He's too busy yes, talking to Lizzo. Lizzo. Or he may, have been, he may have been just shooting schedules. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommend it. I liked it. To be honest, I think I like it more. So far, I like it more than Loki and WandaVision. So. And I still haven't watched Loki yet. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I want to watch Ragnarok first. Oh, God, so good. Last but not least, we have been uh, going through the first seasons of King of the Hill. So I've watched a few King of the Hill episodes. And that's kind of been what I've watched. So like I said, just short bursts of things that I'm like, I can watch this for a half hour before I go to bed. So that's been what my last week has been. I've been falling asleep to Murder, She Wrote. Ah, okay. (laughs) Which is, it's on IMDb TV. So if you have Prime, you get that, like, additionally with Prime. And there are commercials but, like, the first five seasons are on it. And I think there's way more seasons than that. But the first five seasons are on Amazon Prime slash IMDb TV. And I've been watching it to go to sleep. I mean, it's it's very easy to go to sleep to Murder, She Wrote. Um, Angel Lansbury is such a calming influence, even when people are getting murdered. But you'll be proud of me because I finally started watching Outlander Season 3. Oh, yay! And I got That's to the... my favorite season. I like it, because I was getting kind of bummed out with season two. Season two, I loved yeah. when they were in France, and then they got to Scotland, and I was just like, I don't even know if I watched the last episode of season two. I may have just watched the last episode, just well, to catch the, up. The, the Faith episode, to me, put such a damper on season two. I cried for yes, the Faith episode. that one was really So, sad. yeah. 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 Well, that's like, I kind of stepped away from it for a while, and then, like, I was like, let me just start season three, because... Oh, it seems more it's interesting. My but other than that, I actually watched uh, Racerhead and Pink Flamingos because Pink ah. Flamingos is about to leave Criterion, which uh, Racerhead's still really weird, but um, it's David Lynch. So, and then Pink Flamingos is very inappropriate but very funny. Um, love Divine, she is our queen, and honestly, maybe the best part is John Waters' um, narrative. Like he narrates the movie, and like he's like. In downtown Baltimore, here we are. Instead of Baltimore, because they're from Baltimore. Anyways, he's great. 
Um, but this is a movie that I've been wanting to watch, and I know you have seen it. But right now, Criterion's doing art house animation, so they have like Paprika and Mary and Max, which I haven't watched yet, but is on my list. And a couple other, like, really good animation movies. Wolf House, which is also streaming somewhere else, too, now. Which I've heard really good things about. But they have Persepolis. Oh, yeah. Which I finally watched, and I loved it. It was so, so good. It And especially interesting with everything going on in Afghanistan. Because um, we talked about this when we did Under the Shadow. Um, about the Iran-Iraq conflict, which Persepolis, I think Brittany mentioned, like, it kind of takes place during the same time period as Under the Shadow, um, but kind of a different point of view because it's a woman who ends up leaving um, Iran. But it's so similar to what's happening in Afghanistan now, where it's like people were used to a more free lifestyle, and now a religious group has taken over, and they're being, you know, forced to not be as free um yeah and i'm just i don't know i've been really sad about everything going on over there um it's really depressing and uh yeah i i mean i don't have an answer but my thoughts and prayers are with you guys and i don't know i wish there was something more to do but it's just sad seeing especially women just kind of have had this, like, oh, we can go to school, we can do this, we can be business owners, we can wear whatever we want, and it's just completely taken away in, like, a couple weeks. Like, I can't imagine. Um, so anyways, uh, maybe, maybe the Taliban will change their minds and let women... I don't think that's going to happen, but I hope something can change for that country and the people there, because it makes me really sad. And Persepolis was like, I was like, oh my god, I didn't watch it because of that. I ended up watching it, like, right when all that was going on. And it was just fortuitous. And I was just like, wow. Anyway, but it's a really good animated movie. The animation is actually based on the woman whose life it's based on wrote a graphic novel about her life. And then they turned it into the movie. And she actually helped direct it. She co-directed it with somebody. So it's very good. And it's... it's um the memory part of it is in black and white, but it's, like, really well done black and white. Like, it looks like just, you know, like a graphic novel looks. Um, but it's really good, and I highly recommend it if you have Criterion, the streaming app, because it's on right now. Um, and Mary and Max, which is on my list, and Paprika, which I can finally watch, because I've been waiting. I was, when they said, oh, this is coming in August, I was like, oh, I can finally watch Paprika, because I love Perfect Blue. And I've heard Paprika's the more finished one i've heard more people like paprika you know what's funny i would agree with the satoshi Kon films that paprika is the favorite but my personal favorite is actually millennium actress and i haven't found hardly anyone who's ever seen that one i've heard of it and i have not watched i wonder it might be on it but i'll I'll look at that later i literally cry i've cried every single time i watch that i don't cry with perfect blue but i really like perfect blue um and that's my brother's favorite movie it's great um but yeah so that's what i've been watching um, I started watching Mr. Robot again, but I watch that every few seasons. Which, by the way, this movie, the main character looks so much like Rami Malek as Mr. Robot in the face in this movie. And I don't know, they're completely different looking men, oh, it's like, but their it's faces like, look so similar. It's, it's their like eyes. cheekbones. Yeah, their yeah. cheekbones. And he's, like, making faces, and I was like, man, if they did an Amer- they shouldn't do an American version of this movie. Don't do that. But if they did, Rami Malek would be this character, because he looks like this man. I was like, I don't know why. They look 
similar. Um, but I couldn't help, like, thinking. I was like, Rami! It's Elliot Alderson. Um, but yeah. So speaking of, I guess we should get into our movie this week. Oh, yeah. Um, I did pick this movie. Uh, we are doing First Love, which is a 2019 film by... One of our favorite directors, well, uh, one, one of the best directors in Japanese cinema, because he, this is like his hundredth movie, I mean, his hundredth project that he'd done, including like television stuff. Takeshi Miike, we did audition last year, which I think Britt and I both just absolutely adored. Um, and I will say this movie, a con, is that it's much more simplistic than audition. It's not as complicated. I wouldn't call this one a masterpiece, but we've been doing a lot of heavy stuff, and this was kind of a nice break mentally, I think, for a lot of us. Um, so I'm going to briefly, go, we're going to try something different. Instead of doing, like, all the characters, we're going to try to go through them with the plot, so maybe it runs a little smoother and quicker. Um, but I will say quickly, Takeshi Miike, um, you know him, you love him. He's the king of gruesome Japanese masterpieces, including Audition, of course. Itchy the Killer, which one of the actors from Itchy the Killer is actually in this. Itchy is in this. Um, 13 Assassins, the original one, Miss Call, and the Dead or Alive trilogy are probably his most. But he's he's super prolific. Oh, one housekeeping. Yeah. I called it MP3 Psycho. It's MPD Psycho. I'm sorry. It's Multiple Personality MPC Disorder Psycho Detective. M- multiple Personality Detective. I think that's what it's called. Anyways, it was like a TV miniseries he did, and I have part of it on DVD that I randomly found in a, like, $2 bin at a bargain store and didn't know it was by Takeshi Miike until we were doing audition. I was like, is that who directed that thing? It's very silly. Um, Yeah, and it was also written by Masa Nakamura, who wrote the Dead or Alive 2 movie with Takeshi Miike. He's he's done a few projects with Takeshi Miike, um, and then he also did... Dororo, which I think there is actually a anime by the same name. So I don't know if it's the live action or not. It was a little hard to get info. He hasn't done as much stuff as Takeshi Miike because he's done a hundred films. Like, he's crazy. Did you have any background or anything that you found interesting, Britt? No, that, that cover a lot of it. Um, of course, like you said, uh, Tataski Mike has done so many things. And he, what I think is really interesting to him is that he works across multiple genres. So mm-hmm. we can't even say that even though Audition and Ichi the Killer are both like more horror-related films, it's not necessarily horror isn't necessarily his bread and butter. He's done a lot of horror movies, but he's done like family movies and comedies yeah. and action movies like this one. So he's kind of very like... He just works across, and he does feeders and uh, videos mm-hmm. and um, different TV, TV television productions. Yeah. He's done everything. So I think he's done um, anime which is really too. Cool. Like he's done like um, animated features. It's inter- He's so interesting. Yeah. And he's he's he still is. kicking. He's still directing. Yeah. And I this movie. So it came out in 2019. It did Con and <laughs> Tiff, and in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Now, a con did I read that it was like a, a midnight showcase movie or something of so. that nature? Yeah, so. which is really interesting. So they like premiered this one at midnight and was like, hey, come watch this movie at midnight. I think, I don't know, yeah. I think that's really interesting. So. I think that makes sense for this movie because it's much more like, I would liken it to more of a Kill Bill like mm-hmm. kind of movie because it's kind of a fun journey. It reminds me a lot of Kill Bill and there's some Tarantino aspects, which Tarantino 
really loved Audition. Quentin Tarantino, way back when, on his YouTube channel, has this video where it's like, I love, these are the movies that I love before, like, the year 2000, I think, or after the year 1995 or something like that. And Audition's one of them, but also um, Old Boy's one of them. And, um... The host. The host. I was like, there's a Park Chan-wook one. Or Bong Joon-ho one, too. Um, so, yes. So, um, yeah. Anyways, so this is... So, Takeshi Miike, uh obviously inspired Tarantino. And this movie seems a little Tarantino. It also reminds me... Have you seen Good Time yet? The Softy Brothers movie? No, I with haven't. With Rob Pattinson? I, so, I watched it with um, our friend Peter... And I <laughs> I had not seen it before. I was just like, oh, it's streaming. I've been wanting to watch this movie. And he was like, okay. And we were um, eating dinner. And, like, he's what he's like you where the cringe is too much. He doesn't want to look at it. And that whole movie, he yep. kept, <laughs> I was like, what is wrong? And he was like, this movie, like, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for these people. And I was like, I know, I think that's the point of this movie. He's like, it's so cringy. It's not cringy. It's just, like, really uncomfortable because it's just, like, they get in this situation and Rob Pattinson's character just keeps making these terrible decisions and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse in the movie. It's very good. It's a very good movie. But it's very, very, um... Uh, it's difficult to watch because you just keep wanting to, like, hit your your palm to your forehead. Like, why'd you do that? But this movie reminds me of that, but the characters are more likable. It reminds me a lot of that Good Time movie... Um, but this, this movie, I feel like is another, um, victim of the pandemic because it was released in the UK and Japan in 2019. And then I think they did a small release in North America, but it was in early 2020. And I got conflicting stuff from Wikipedia and IMDb. So some of the sources were very conflicting. So I'm not sure if it even got a United States release at all because of the pandemic, um, but it does have a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's cool, but then, yeah, and I do think, Takeshi Miike, I did watch his, uh, Q&A for TIFF, and before the movie premiered, he's like, I don't know if this is what you guys are expecting, but I hope you enjoy the movie, so I don't think he, this, he knows that this is not a magnum opus piece, this is not a masterpiece, this is more like, just a fun romp, and I think that's kind of why I like it. Because it is kind of a fun romp. And there is a lot of gore. Um, but it, it's, like, there's some at the beginning, there's some at the end. It doesn't get, like, cut away. Because um, this is the man who did audition. But he's also, like, you know, he's a little bit older now. So maybe he's yeah. not as into, like, quite as much gore. But I think audition all the gore is so earned that, like, you know, he's not going to overdo gore. But I do like this movie. There's a point in the movie where... Something happens, and that's when I really got into it. But the first time I watched it, it did take me a little while to get into it. And the second time, I really yeah. liked it. I think you were saying I would the same agree thing. With that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I, I I would recommend to watch it on streaming for sure. Um, just know it's not like I thought there was going to be more horror and gore. I thought it was going to be closer to Is She the Killer in the Infamy of the Gore, but newer. Um, but no, it's definitely, it's definitely tamer than yeah. Audition, and from what I hear, Itchy, too, but I think it's a little more palatable to maybe a larger audience. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people cannot get through Audition. The end. Like, they just can't watch it. I personally am fine with it because the movie just is so well done. Like, it reaches that point logically. But anyways, enough about Audition. That's not the movie we're watching. But I do really like this movie. And I think it's very interesting. And it's very much an ensemble film, too. Even though there's two main characters... There's a lot of very interesting characters. Before we get into spoilers, is there anything else you want to say? About no, the movie? I think you covered. I think you cover a lot of it. I know we're going to be touching on some of these actors as we go for the plot, and that's mainly yes. what Elsa wrote about was the actors. Cool. So I think we are. I've good. got some of the actors, and then some of the other minor ones I don't have as much written on. So I'm definitely gonna need your help there. But yes. So, we are going to go into spoilers now, guys. Um, Check back to the end. Check the timestamps if you just want to hear our ratings and our suggestions. Um, So, yeah, guys. So, um, again, we are doing First Love. It is on Amazon Prime. Please check it out. Um, And officially, we are going to be in uh, spoiler territory in three, two, one. Okay? If you guys do not want any events of this film spoiled for you, please check the timestamp and skip ahead of this part. Officially starting now. Yes. Yeah, so um, the synopsis I have for this is a boxer takes an impulsive leap to assist a troubled call girl. They find themselves trapped in the middle of a gang war and a drug smuggling plot. That's all I really want to say about it. Um, But this movie is interesting. We meet our main character, Leo, played by Masataka Kubota, Kubota? Um, who was in 13 Assassins, and he was in the uh, movie version of Tokyo Ghoul, the live-action version, yeah. which I like that anime. I haven't watched all of it, but I've seen the first two seasons, I think. Uh, or maybe it's just the first season. I don't know. I've seen a lot of it, and it's very... It's kind of sad. It's kind of a sad one, but it's also kind of funny. Um, anyways, so he plays Leo, who is a young, aspiring boxer who also currently works at a Chinese restaurant in Tokyo. Um, he... Wants to be a really good boxer. He's still struggling to kind of make it. And we meet him as he's kind of like, you know, warming up for his first uh, fight. And, you know, he's trying to get better and better. And But he's still kind of working his day job and a little bit like, I don't know, listless. Kind of not sure how to make things better. Um, and right after that, we see this man just get decapitated mm-hmm. on the Tokyo streets. Um, which I totally missed that part the first time I watched it because Gizmo was kind of running amok and I was not paying as close attention. I was like, what? What did that happen? No, I was literally watching the screen and I still had to rewind it because for a minute I thought he punched the guy's head off. I was like, whoa, they just punched that head so far hard it went flying into the street. No, what? He had this sword in a golf bag, like golf clubs, and he just puts like a, go- a funny like cartoony golf club cover over this sword. I was like, well, that's one way to get away with it. Um, and then we see this corrupt cop, Otomo, played by Nao Omori, who was Ichi in Ichi the Killer. Um, he was also on, and I, I haven't watched this an- this animated movie, but I've heard of it from Up on Poppy Hill. Mm-hmm, and also yeah. this movie Vibrator, which I've heard of, but never seen. Um, and Yakuza member Kase, uh, Shota, Shota Somitani, who was in the Parasite live-action film, which is another anime. Yeah. Um, which He's I don't know about you. Devil Man. Devil Man Crybaby? Or just oh, Devil no, Man? Oh, uh, no, just, 
just Devil Man. He was in Devil okay. Man, and also March comes in like a lion, and March goes out like a lamb. It's interesting how many of these actors Ooh. were in live adaptations of different anime. Yes! Um, but yeah, so basically they're looking on, these two men, as they're processing this decapitation scene. And um, they discuss that, one, Kaze's boss, Gondo, um, who is Sayo Uchino? Uchino? Um, who was also in 13 Assassins, Haru, which I've heard of, Jin, and I've heard of this movie, I've never seen it, Bunshiro and Fuku, which is, like, an older Japanese movie. It's, um, uh, he is being released soon, and they also discuss that the man whose head is lying on the street, um, his, he's a drug dealer, and the Yakuza, which Kaze belongs to the Yakuza, um, they are, they were his drug supplier, and, um, the next thing we see is Leo, who's fighting, um, and he gets knocked out in a quote-unquote easy fight, which is just completely is weird. Um, and I'm just going to say what happens to him, even though there's some scenes in between this. Uh, he basically goes to a, a, the hospital to get scanned, and the doctor played by Kenichi Takedo, which I didn't see a lot of things by him, but I thought he did a good job. Um, kind of shows his scans. He's like, you have a giant tumor in your brain and you need surgery. And he was like, what happens if I don't have surgery? He's like, you die. But either way, you cannot box anymore. And Leo just kind of is like, oh, my life is over. Because that's all I ever have in life. Um, do you want to go into how we meet Yuri? Or Monica? Yes. Yeah, Yuri or Monica. So, um, we... Uh, so, during this opening scene, which is kind of like a longer opening, it's probably like 15 mm-hmm. minutes long before we see the first credits, um, mm-hmm. but, um, we see Monica at this time in the movie, she's just known as Monica, and she, we don't, we don't know this off the bat, but we do find out she's suffering from illusions due to, um, drug withdrawals, um, and she first sees her classmate, Ruji. Um, and, uh, she tries to, um, go out in the hall to follow Ruji, and she starts to panic, because then she sees her father in his underwear, which is, like, both are recurring visions. the best part was that, Mm -hmm. okay, so her father's, like, a ghost, basically, haunting her, but the best part of it, in my opinion, was the fact that, like, so she's in a sheet asleep, and she sees Ruji, and she gets up and starts yelling, Ruji, Ruji, um, the, the ghost kind of inflates from her own bed sheet. And it's yeah. a very creepy visual. And this is where, like, I'm like, there are horror elements in this movie because she's being haunted by the memory of her father. And yeah, and the way the opening, the opening scene, the way it's filmed, too, because when we first see uh, Monica or Slash Yuri, uh, she's, like, she's wrapped up in the bed sheet, but then she crawls on her stomach. And it's, like, kind of like an unflattering angle of, like, her legs and her back and her mm-hmm. butt. And it's kind of, it, it reminds me, it's filmed... Her body in that scene is very is very audition reminiscent. It's just like it's like these kind of heavy colors and this darker lighting. Mm-hmm. It's not very flattering. Yeah, it's kind of like you know. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, no, it but does. I was like, I was like, I, I was like, okay, here I can see some classic Mike uh, in this scene a little bit going. And on. I think you're meant to feel like she's in a bad place immediately. Yeah. Like nobody sleeps. Like she's sleeping off her mattress too. Like, yeah. nobody sleeps off your mattress unless you're having a tough time. Um, by the way, did we say who she's played by? No, um, not yet, but oh. we will. So, of course, she is, um, is Sak- Sakura Ko. Sakura Ko? Because her name is, like, Sakura, but has a Ko on it. So, Cherry Blossom mm-hmm. Child, Sakura Ko Konishi. Ooh. Yeah. 
And then she, uh, she kind of, this was kind of her breakout role, which keep in mind this movie's mm-hmm. only two years old. Uh, but she's also been in Fancy and Between Us and Colorist. Colorist. So she's still kind of new. Um, she doesn't have a very long IMBD, but this was, this, this is pretty impressive. She had a main role and she's a newer actress. Yeah. So. But yeah, she goes under the code name Monica and basically we learned that her father owed a debt to the Yakuza. And, which, if you, I mean, I think people, probably our audience has seen Kill Bill, and you at least know kind of who the, that's my first uh, introduction to Yakuza, was Kill Bill. Um, but it's basically, yeah. like, the mob in Japan. Um, and there's also a mob in uh, in China called the Triads. So, if we get something wrong about oh. the Yakuza, please forgive us. Yeah. But she's, she's like, banging on her door because she's trying to get Ruji to essentially save her from her father. And that's when mm-hmm. we see Julie come in. And Julie becomes <gasps> very important to the story. And she's kicked, she's like, full force by Julie. Like, Julie yes. is a bitch. Um, she's a- and she kind of chastises her for being a whore and not paying her father's debt. So, like, right off the bat, yeah. she's really nasty in multiple ways. Yeah. And she's played by... This is interesting because I kind of know about this, but not a lot. She's played by, uh, her name, like Beyonce, is just one name, Becky. And Becky's legal name is Rebecca Erie Ribon, or Ribon. Um, and she's a Japanese Toronto, which is basically, like, a talent for music. So she's more of, like, she's like Beyonce, it seems like. A Beyonce. I don't know if she is Beyonce, but, uh, of Japan. But she's, like, a pop singer. Um, kind of thing. But she's also, like, a panelist on, like, a thousand different Japanese television shows. So, she, it seems like she is Beyonce of Japan. And she's, she's also, um, popular. I find it's really cool, she's done a lot of live-action dub work. So, she's done a lot of voiceover yes. for American films. So, she was, yes. she actually voiced Megan Fox's character April from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action one. Hey. Uh, but she's also done Lisa Simpson in the Simpson movie. So, she's done, like, quite a few dub roles, which is why I think that that character would also be voicing Lisa Simpson. So. But Becky, Becky plays Julie. Um, and Julie is the girlfriend of Yazu, um, who's played by Takahiro Mira, who was in the live-action Attack on Titan. Yeah. (laughs) Unforgiven and Shin Godzilla, which was the good Godzilla movie that they did when we were doing the terrible American Godzilla they did Shin Godzilla, which I heard was really good, and I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's really good. Um, but basically, uh, Julie and Yazu, y- Yasu, sorry, Yasu, um, are keeping Yuri uh, there. They're basically making her sell her body to pay her father's debts off, and um, they're plying her with drugs because the drugs are keeping the visions of her father at bay. So Yuri turns to drugs to deal with her emotional issues. Um, it's really fucking sad. Um, and they, and they just kind of lock her in the room and then she has like a freak out and I'm just like this is very sad. She's like a very sad kind of pathetic character. Um, but don't worry. Yuri, Yuri slash Monica is gonna she's she's gonna get better as the movie goes on. Kase, um, we go back to Kase. He has a plan mm-hmm. to steal some meth, um, and so what he wants to do, he's like, "Hey, Ultimo, we're buddies. I trust you. I'm gonna steal some meth. You pick it up, and then I'm gonna pick a fight is it with meth a or cocaine. I thought it was cocaine. I thought they called. I thought they actually did call it meth 
in the movie. They might have. Why, yeah, because that's the big thing. It's that I didn't know the first time around, but then the second time around, I thought they literally said this meth or something to that nature. Oh, okay. So they don't refer to it as any kind of things, but you do see a character snort it at one point, which is also why I was thinking it'd be cocaine too until I heard them say meth. Um, but he plans to then pick a fight with a civilian, and he's like, I'll go to jail for a couple years, and by the time I get out, everyone, the Chinese and the Yakuza, are going to all kill each other, and will be home free. So he kind Isn't of has, he a like, lovely design- person, Kaze? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got this get-rich uh, scheme by essentially betraying everyone on both sides and causing a war yeah. between, yeah. Well- I love the actor who plays him, too, because he's got this baby face and this, like, kind of, mm-hmm. like, floppy hair. He almost looks like a pop, like, boy band kind of guy. And he's just such a pretty boy. And, like, you can tell that he thinks that he knows exactly what he's doing and he is, like, the smartest man. And it's great because, like, he's like, okay, so, Otomo, you pretend to be a client of Monica to keep her out because we're going to blame it on her because we all know that she has a drug problem. So they're going to just assume that she stole the drugs, um, of course. And um, while you pretend to be a client, um, I'm going to steal a drug from Yazoo's supposedly empty apartment because we're going to pay a Chinese triad member to kidnap Julie. Yeah. And they don't really care what happens to Julie. They're like, do whatever the fuck you want with her. Um, But, like, immediately, the entire plan goes awry. Um, But we do see Leo, right before the plan goes awry, go to the psychic. And, um, because he's, like, depressed and he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, do I get a surgery? Do I not? What the fuck? My life is over because I can't box anymore. And this, like, older guy who's played by, um, I think his name was Bangle, um, the actor. He's, again, just a one-word man. Um, He basically tells him, like, oh, you're so healthy, and you should... He tells him, you're healthy, and, um... The rest you're of live your, a long your life, life is just starting. Yeah, your, yeah, life, your is life is just, just starting. starting. And then he says, but you should fight for other people instead of fighting for yourself. Start fighting for someone else. And, uh, basically, this is when he really looked like Rami Malik, And he just, um, kind of screams at him. He's like, fuck you, my life is over. And it's like this really nice old man. <laughs> Um, oh man yeah yeah he's just like okay bye um yeah so we see him and then we see this plan just completely fall apart because yuri is with the tomo and um she's he's like checking her phone to see like like you know does she have a tracking device he kind of wants to see like what's going on with her and um she sees her dead father in the middle of the street and freaks out and starts running away. So, of course, Otomo's, like, chasing her, like, come back! And, you know, Leo's just kind of depressed, walking through the street. And remember, he's a boxer. So, he sees this poor girl running, and, and they, they run into each other, kind of slows down, she yells, help me! And so he just punches Otomo out. <laughs> like, flat out in the street. It's great. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, yeah. And he kind of, like, uh, it's like, oh, dude, are you okay? And then he figures out it's a police officer and takes his badge and kind of just runs off with Yuri. Um, meanwhile, Julie's being kidnapped by this triad guy who's really creepy and disgusting. I actually did not write that actor's name down. I feel terrible. Did you write his oh, name I down? I forgot to. Uh, uh, I did too. I wrote There's that a couple main, like, there minor so characters. There's so many actors in this movie. Yes. There's so many actors. There's a couple in this movie. characters where I just said, they're this person. 
Um, because they don't always always say everyone's names either. Yeah, um, or if they did, it was very quickly. Um, so uh, basically, uh, Julie's getting kidnapped. And <laughs> this is okay. Julie quickly became my favorite character, even though her character is an asshole because of this scene. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Do you want to tell her, or should I tell it? Oh, I, I, I could tell a bridge version, so if you want to tell a more detailed version, it's whatever you prefer, so. Well, basically, yeah, so basically, I'll, I'll, you know, she she's being kidnapped. And we don't really know, we do know that Julie has a heck of a kick, because she did kick Yuri in the beginning. Um, but this triad guy is just basically like, yeah, take off your clothes. He's like, nah, just take off your pants. So she's like, what the fuck? So she takes her pants off, and she seems really scared. And you're like, oh, no, she's going to get, you know, attacked. This is terrible. And he's texting Yas- Yasu while um, she's getting undressed. And she she distracts him by, this is strange, but sticks her hands in her underwear, takes her hand back out and puts it in, in his face, I guess, so he can sniff what's in her panties, which is okay. What a flush boat! But she distracts him, and while he's, like, sniffing her hand, she just kicks the shit out of him and just beats him up and the best part is while she's beating him up this is why i love takashi miki because he kind of uh mixes in comedy with like horrific things like this should be horrific a woman's getting attacked but she takes her her fate in her own hands and she just keeps wailing on his head just kicking it and kicking she's like don't get blood on my pants that i can't wear them anymore she's like you fucking got out of it by dying you asshole it's yeah amazing. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, I just yeah. So she pretty much became my favorite character at that point. The most entertaining character, let's say. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, while this is going on, uh, Kase tries to get the jump on Yusu, who once again <laughs> is Julie's boyfriend. Um, and so uh, he try he tries to rob him like a ski mask, and uh, Yusu <laughs> takes it off, and it reveals his Kase. And he's like, oh fuck, yeah. And so, so there's like there's like a shuffle because he's like, Oh, it was just a test, it was just a test and of course like Yusu is smart enough to not be like, No, it's not. They get into a fight and so um what happens is Yusu tases Kase, but then Kase uh shoots and kills him. So Which is interesting because Kase brought yeah. the taser. Yeah. But then they end up like yeah. basically switching weapons in the scuffle. And I love this fight because it's so um, clumsy. Mm -hmm. And because both of these men, like, uh, Yasu's, like, a very low-level, like, underling of the Yakuza. He's not really a Yakuza. And Kaze is a Yakuza, but he is, like, not high in the ranks. Like, he's high enough to be at the meetings, but he's not one of the bosses. And so uh, there's a fight later on between two of the bosses and it's a much more sophisticated fight scene. I like how this one is, like, so clumsy because these two people don't really know what they're doing. Um, it's kind of like the... <laughs> not to bring Star Wars into this, but the lightsaber battle between Rey and Kylo Ren and the first, like, Force Awakens, they're, like, sweating and exhausted and they're not super good at it because they've never fought like they haven't had opponents like Ray's never picked up a lightsaber before and Kylo's never had to fight anybody with a lightsaber he's always been the only one with a lightsaber because there aren't that many Jedis around and like it makes sense because they don't really know what the fuck they're doing so I like that this movie like it's very clumsy and kind of silly 
And, um, yeah. Anyways, but I thought, it's, it, there's a lot of comedy, but I also felt yeah. bad for Yazu. But it's very funny. Like, when he takes the ski mask off, he's like, oh, shit. It's great. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. So, um, then we go back. So, th- this movie, because there's so many characters, this movie kind of, like, flips back and forth mm-hmm. to different characters. So, after all this, um, we see Monica is explaining, or Yuri's explaining to Leo how her father abused her. So, she's telling him, this is when the audience finds out that the vision, the hallucination is her father. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, you called me Ruji. Who's Ruji? And she's like, it was her classmate and her friend who took up for her against her dad. Um, and so she also tells him about her drug withdrawals and how she works to pay off her father's death. So this is how um, Yuri and uh, Leo kind of meet and mm-hmm. learn more about each other. So, And he's kind of like, you shouldn't really have to do that. And she's like, I know, but I'm kind of stuck. And so he's kind of going to leave her. He's like, okay, have a good night. And then he kind of like comes back and is like, well, if you don't come with me, they might pick you back up. So why don't you come with me? Um, so it's kind of nice, like, he's starting to, like, be like, maybe I should look out for another person, not just look out for myself. Which is, you know, just a little bit at a time. It's kind of nice. He's also yeah. like, I'm gonna die anyway, so what do I have to lose? Is kind of his attitude. Um, and meanwhile, there's another funny scene where Otomo wakes up, uh, because this drunk nurse on a night out is, like, sitting cross-legged on the street, like, man, that guy punched the shit out of you! And she's like, I don't, I don't get paid enough. I'm just getting drunk, and it's very funny. Um, and uh, he realizes that uh, Leo has taken his police badge, and he calls Kaze, who has just shown up for the yakuza meeting late because he just killed one of them. Um, but he's yep. like, Oh, sorry, traffic, y'all. Traffic was a bitch. And uh, and at not, this point, yeah, at this point, Julie also calls the Yakuza and uh, tells him that Yasu is dead. And so Kase yes. tends to be enraged about this. Like, I'll kill them! I'll kill them! And it's like, of course, he was the one that yeah. killed him. Um, so there's all yes. these like moving parts at this point going on. So. Yes, it's great. And Gondo is like being pressured by an older Yakuza director to like take care of this shit. And basically Gondo has some kind of beef with a man named Wonard one arm yang wang one arm wang wang yes that's a mouthful probably not a mouthful in in chinese or japanese but in english it's one arm wang and um indeed does have one arm and um he is basically waiting for the triads to like start something now that he's been released from prison um which is like the first day back out of prison he's already like at a mob meeting whatever as you do um basically kaze is uh very surprised that julie is alive and well and out for blood thinks she thinks monica hired the kidnapper to escape that's right so she's like monica must have hired the kidnapper to escape and so she she gets the yakuza to come over to yazu's body and then she's like they're like, we gotta get the cleaners. We can't call the cops. This is gonna be too crazy. And she's, like, really upset that she's like, I'm gonna fucking kill every one of them. Everyone. Let's just, like, kill people. But Kaze's like, oh, honey. Because he's gotten a call from Otomo. And he knows that Yuri's, like, running around. And he's like, I don't know how to fucking 
get her. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to drive Julie home because she's obviously very upset. And he's driving her home. <laughs> and he takes phone call from Matomo, who's like, oh, hey, like Yuri had a cell phone that had a tracking device on it. You should see if her pimp had a, a, a way to track her. And, um, so he's driving Julie home and he's like, oh, hey, Julie, do you think Yazu had that? And she's like, oh, yeah, I have his phone right here. Because he thought it was back at the house and he's like, oh, shit, now I have to steal it from her. And he, he pulls, like, it's like a sign, it's like a scene out of Death Proof. He just unbuckles her seatbelt and starts driving backwards and forwards until he knocks her out. And it's like, what the fuck? Um, meanwhile... Um, another member of the Yakuza who's a double crosser um, calls the leader of the triads or a triad leader, I'm not sure if it's the triad leader, um, and tells him that Gondo's back and he tells him that Yuri's run off with the drugs and he calls his assassins led by a female assassin, which she does have a name, but I don't remember them calling her by her name. I don't either. Um, but we actually see her earlier in the movie she's because fun. she shows up at the noodle shop where he uh, Leo works at. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of, um, they, they, basically, they just want to f- start a fight with the Yakuza. Um, so basically, <laughs> I, okay, again, Julie and Kaze, just two of the most interesting characters in this movie. Um, so... He, he takes Julie... The best thing... This is why it reminds me of Good Time, because Kaze just keeps making worse and worse decisions. Yes. Um, only, like, Rob Pattinson's, like, the main character in Good Time, which I was like, uh, like, it's hard to root for him because he's kind of a scumbag in that movie. Also, I think that's where the infamous sweatsuit picture of Rob Pattinson comes from, because yeah. I think that was when he was filming it, because he looked kind of gross. Sorry, I love Rob Pattinson, but that was part of his character. Um... Basically, he takes Julie home, who's passed out, puts her on the bed, and I, he's, I think he's trying to figure out, I guess I have to kill her, how am I going to kill her? And as he's trying to figure it out, this old lady, who's her roommate or her grandmother, we don't really know what, and he's like, what the fuck, you have a roommate, just comes, and she's like, oh my god, it's a burglar! And he just, just punches her, and kills her by punching her, basically. And he's like, oh fuck, now I gotta cover up two bodies. <laughs> And he sets this trap, which, okay, this movie, like, is very funny. He sets a trap, because he sees all these, like, prayer candles. He's like, okay, I'm going to light a whole bunch of candles and cover everything in gasoline. And he sets this little, like, um, one of those little, like, uh, robotic little puppies, like the ones that go, arf, arf, arf. I had one of those when I was a little kid, um, to, like, basically, like, slowly walk into the fire. So it starts after he leaves. Um, but... Because Julie apparently has nine lives and is a fucking cat. Um, when it lights up, she's like, oh my god, it's fucking hot! And just jumps out the window before the explosion hits. So I guess her grandma's dead. But Julie is now out for fucking Kaze's blood. She's like, what the fuck? That fucking bastard. It was him. And she goes to the Yakuza and was like, let's all fucking kill someone. She tells them everything. She's like, it's Kaze. He's the one that's doing everything. He's the cause of everything. And they're like, oh, fuck. Go ahead, because Kaze's now on Yuri's trail. And then, meanwhile, while this is all going on, uh, so Leo and Yuri decide, you know, like, let's visit Ruji, because Ruji was important to you. 
Mm-hmm. And so they're on the train, and in a little scene of kind of comic relief is uh, Yuri starts to see a vision of her dad on the train, and Ruji's like, here, listen to some music, and her dad is literally <laughs> dancing to the beat of the music, which it's is like, it funny. sounds like traditional, like, Bollywood music, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty and great. So- and she's, like, laughing, but also terrified. He's like, so it's funny, but scary. And then he's just like, he was like, I never want to do drugs. This is too yeah. complicated. <laughs> but he's also kind of like, I wish I could see it, too. Um, yeah. And then, also, Kase has been followed by another Yakuza who, like, tries to blackmail him and when to giving him the drugs. And when he does, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kase tasers him. And then, as he's laying there, uh, passed out, he puts him in front of the car's wheel and runs him over. So, he's like, how many it's bodies so nonchalant. At yeah. this point, it's like the eighth. I guess if you work for the mob, maybe it's not that weird. Um, also, like, when they're coming out of Yuri's old neighborhood. Um, so, she goes back to her old neighborhood and she sees all these visions of her dad abusing her. And, like, she's just really sad. And she comes out of the window and there's a triad who thinks that she has drugs that they can steal from her. And um, he has a gun, and basically Leo's like, he's like, I got nothing to live for, so might as well try to punch this guy out. So he's just taking unnecessary risks, because he's like, well, I'm going to die anyway, so why not? And he punches out and kills all the triads. And Yeah, because they go by um, her old house. Because they change her mind about Ruby yeah. and goes by her dad's house, yeah. And then so they uh, are run into... Uh, by Kaze and Otomo who, Otomo, who take them by force into their car. And then there's just this giant car chase. So first they're being chased by the triads. And then they, this is, I love the way this happens, because they get cornered by the Yakuza, and um, Kaze doesn't know that they know. It's like, hey guys! And then Julie just comes out of the car with a fucking crowbar. She still has no pants on. That's the best part. It's like, she's running through the streets screaming, I'm gonna kill somebody. She's just wearing this giant sweatshirt and, like, nothing else. I think she's barefoot and she's just like, fuck this shit. And she's just like, she's got blood all over her face and she's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And Kaz is like, oh shit, they know. And he's like, back it up, back it up, back it up! And they go back. And then, that, like, on the other side of the street, all the triads are waiting for them. And they're like, oh, no. And they have the drugs. So this awesome car chase ensues. Um, one of the cars is a Prius, which I only know because I own a Prius. And I was like, oh, I like my Prius. I don't think it could last in a car chase like this. But okay, it's Japan. It's a Toyota. I don't know. Um, but yeah, do you want to go into more? This is when it gets a little exciting. This gets very exciting. Yeah, so um, they peel away and, and the assuring struggle what happens is so um, he's hit. Uh, Kaze is actually hit like in kind of like the leg, or he's struck in the leg with the crowbar by Julie. Uh-huh. And then when they run into the triads, he's actually shot, um, but he's shot through where he put the meth in. So it's like the bullet grazes him, but he's like fuck. Um, but it causes it to spill all over his pants. And of course, uh, poor Yuri is a drug addict, so she's trying to get the meth mm-hmm. off his pants, and yeah. uh, he starts to he starts to get hard. Um, cause of it, yeah. and I think he's actually starting to get high from maybe inhaling yeah. the meth. So, and meanwhile, there's a high speed chase. It goes into a parking deck, and um, there's all these cars. And the next thing you know, the car they're in is actually flipped. So it's yeah. all this. And before that, action. Leo does stop her from yeah. one sniffing the drugs or two giving him a blowjob. He's like, "Hey, hey, you don't want to do this," and she's like, "You're right. I've been cleaning this many hours. Don't need to start now." 
Um, and I look, cause, and then Kazi starts to take the drugs and rub it into his wounds. Yeah. So oh, that's like, what it high is. That's why now. he's high. Yeah. 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 He starts rubbing it into his wounds. He's like, oh, ah. this shit is good. He's on meth. It makes more sense that it's meth because I feel like meth would make you more crazy than cocaine. Yeah. More invincible feeling from what I, I've never done either, but you know. Anyways, uh, but yeah, that's what's going on with Kaze is he's rubbing, purposefully rubbing drugs into his wounds so that he ah. can get high, which is, and he's kind of like a crazed killing machine now. And they're, yeah, so their car flips over and they're kind of end up in a, it's like a hardware yeah, warehouse. Yeah, it looks like a hardware store. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. And uh, when they get there, so Leo and Yuri manage to get away. And they go to the hardware store and they're hiding in, like this little corner. And Yuri asks him the time. And he turns on his phone and realizes he's missed several calls from the doctor's office. Yeah. And the doctor, it's like multiple messages. But he's profusely apologizing because he mixed up mm -hmm. Leo's results with another patient's. And, um, you know, he's like, please call us back. We're worried about your mental health. And the first thing I said was, oh, my God, the fortune teller was right. And then literally flashes to the fortune teller. Yeah. And Leo goes, the fortune teller was right. So and it's, um, it's and great because so he he's like, scared. oh, I have life. But now he's frightened because now he's not dying yeah. anymore. So exactly. he has so much so more to he's lose. He's like so scared. Yeah. And um, so he's like fuck so he's shaking and so the the woman um the woman assassin and one of the mans with the katana because i didn't realize it the first time i watched it but the second time there's two men with a katana so yes um, but there's a man well he has a shotgun too he's a sh yeah. one oh, arm yeah, yeah. one arm wang has a shotgun when he first comes in and then eventually has a katana yeah Which i don't know where he's holding and the katana i can't remember but you know, he he's good. As you do. Yeah, oh, he picks it up. He picks it up from another dead body, I think. But they find okay. Leo and Yuri, and they agree to let Leo go, but only if they could keep Yuri. So, and uh, Leo is obviously not comfortable with that bargain. But Yuri's yes. like, it's fine. It's fine. Live a long, happy life for me. So, yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, Yuri. And Kaze, meanwhile, is like killing triads left and right. Yeah, They're but kidding. we do see Kase shoots the katana man, and then in that scuffle, Leo yeah. grabs Yuri again, and the lady agrees to actually let them go. She's like, humanity is yes. the most important virtue in life, So, which was really cool of yeah, her. I like her. Um, I like her. Kase, I wish I had written her name too. down. Her um, name is Jossie. Jossie. Chiachi. 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 Chiachi? Like, Joni loves Chiachi is kind of how it looks. I, um... Which she hasn't been in a lot of TV shows, um, but her name is Mommy Fujioka. Yeah, she was a good character in this one. Um, but then Kaze gets shot in the arm and back, but says he doesn't feel it. Uh, but then yeah. one of the men is shot by one arm wing, and I love one arm wing because he literally just fucks, fucking uh, pumps the shotgun with one arm, which I think is really badass looking. It's amazing. So. And then another man gets a leg cramp at the worst possible time. <laughs> And get shot. So. Yeah, I, he's like, he's like, oh, and he's like, and his compatriot turns around, and is like, are you okay? He's like, oh, I got a leg cramp, and then he just gets fucked up. It's yeah. kind of great. I would it's be that guy in this movie because that'd be my luck. Um, but then we finally see uh, one of the showdowns we've been waiting for, which is Julie and Kase. Um, mm -hmm. And this is really comical too. I don't know if you want to see this. So, 
So, okay, let me see if I wrote it down in a really good way. Okay, so basically, Kaze has already been shot twice by Julie. But he's like, he doesn't feel it because he's on the drugs. And um, there's another fighter that's killed by Otomo. And Julie, like, fucking cuts his arm off Kill Bill style. But he just kind of is like, huh, okay. And he just, he bends over and tries to take a handgun out of the hand of a dead person. And he's like, oh, fuck, it's stuck. And as he's bent over, Julie just takes her katana and just slices his fucking head off. And then she gets frustrated and, like, kicks his head like a soccer ball. It's really good. It's real funny, y'all. It's great. I just love it. And, yeah. like, Otomo's like, well, that's a, a sweet face. <laughs> he sees his head just rolling down the aisle. Um, it's great. And she finds the drugs in his bag, which pisses her off because he's like, oh, my. She's like, you had the drugs the whole time. But sadly, uh, one of the triads uh, thinks she's Monica because he sees her from behind, doesn't see her face. He doesn't know what Monica looks like and kills her. Yeah. Right afterwards, which kind of sucks. And then we also, so we go back to Leo and Yuri again. We think they're going to finally escape. But then there's a gun that comes around the corner and is pointed at Yuri's head. Um, and they don't know what to do, but then she sees the vision as her father and finally turns around and screams and <laughs> just kicks him in the balls. So She's great. Surprise attack. Yeah. It is, yes. exactly. It's amazing. Uh, Ultimo is shot by the lady who um, is, I don't want to butcher her name. Chachi? Chachi? Okay. So he's shot by Chachi. And then when he is, um, there's all these police officers. And this is a pretty just ending. So she shoots him. (laughs) And in, like, his panic, he turns around, shoots her, and she shoots at him. And he accidentally shoots towards the officers. So the officers open fire on him and kills Mm -hmm. Ultimo as well as her. So Mm -hmm. they both die. So um, Meanwhile, Leo is... Beating the shit out of the guy that had the gun to Monica's or Yuri's head, yes. uh, which is great. He's just like because he's he's finally resolved to fight for another. It's great. Meanwhile, yeah. Gondo and One Arm Wang are fighting with katanas, which is a really cool fight scene. There, it's much more uh, professional feeling. And they and Gondo actually ends up killing One Arm Wing. So it's like mm-hmm. they have this really, really great fight and One Arm Wing, like, gets a, a lot of like, hits in on Gondo. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, so even with just one arm, he was kicking Gondo's ass as much as Gondo was kicking yeah. his ass. It's just Gondo got the Did upper Gondo hand Did Gondo take them. his other arm? Is that why he's One Arm Wing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because okay. that's when One Arm Wing has the vendetta specifically against Gondo. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's kind of like Kill Bill with the eyeball thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but Gondo does get to Leo and Yuri, and I think Leo is just like, she's innocent, and he's like, oh, I know. Like, And he's like, hey, I need yeah. you to drive my car. And he's like, what? Yeah. So- <laughs> and then, this is interesting, because they basically leap over all the police cars from the parking garage, but yeah. they cut to it being an animation sequence. And the only thing I could think of was, I guess they either didn't have the CGI or there was no way possible to film that sequence. Because I was curious yeah. why they decided to do it in an animated sequence. Yeah, I, I liked it, but I, I, I kind of wish too, we had had. Weird. Yeah, it was kind of disjointed. I was like, oh, okay, this is happening. I almost wish 
they've had maybe an animation sequence in the beginning, like maybe when she went back to her home or something, like maybe that flashback was animation just to like kind of put it all together. Um, but I liked did, how it looked. What if they did something like Kill Bill 2 where in the crazy 88, it's like it goes to black and white yeah. and then she blinks and it's back to color? I think it would have been cool is from the time they stepped into like the hardware shop if everything was animated. And it was like the blood yeah. was even more like gory and intense because it's animated. I yeah. don't know. I wonder, if, I wonder if like they just ran out of time or, or budget. Know. And that's why I wish I could because find more seemed... stuff on this movie because I was wondering. Some I was having choices. a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so now they're driving with Gondo, and Gondo, like, offers Leo a place in the Yakuza, and he's like, yeah, no, I do not want to be in this lifestyle. This is terrifying. No, thank you. Um, and Gondo's like, okay, well, we need to distract the cops so you guys can escape then, so um, make sure you toss those drugs out the window. And they're kind of like, all of this shit. And we're just going to toss these fucking drugs out the window. But yep. it's almost like cathartic for Yuri because she's like, she's not going to use the drugs. She's just throwing them away. So it's, exactly. And it kind of creates this cloud of drug dust so they can kind of turn a corner and he lets them, and Gondo lets them out. And is like, okay, see y'all later. And they're like, thank you. And they kind of run away and hide and then it's kind of a beautiful sequence where he's like he's driving and he says um the morning light does not suit the wicked yeah and it seems like he as, dies from his wounds yeah and he starts yeah. succumbing to his wounds as he's driving down this long oceanic bridge and there's like 30 police cars chasing oh, him oh you want to know something i actually counted the police cars so i was like it's how many fucking police cars is that? How many counted? were there? 55. Oh, my God. And so then it caused me and Taylor to look up how many police stations there are in Tokyo. And there's, uh, like, 100 police stations in Tokyo alone. So I'm like, okay, there's a lot of police stations. So they have, because I was like, nice in every... It's a very populated city. Uh, Yuri and Leo are covered in blood. And they're like, holy shit, we have to wash this blood off of us so the cops don't think... We were involved, even though they were, but not really. Um, so they go to this, like, public shower, and it's winter, by the way, because they've both been wearing jackets this whole time. It's, like, fall or winter. It's not quite snowing, but it's cold because everyone's wearing jackets all the time. And so they're freezing, soaking wet, walking back home. But they kind of seem, like, more alive now. Like, like Leo's found a new lease on life, and Yuri has, too. And she's like, I don't need drugs. Like, this is great. Um, and they run into, um, they're at a railroad crossing, and they see this young couple, and it's Ruji and his pregnant wife, or I assume his wife, his pregnant yeah. partner, um, and they kind of exchange pleasantries, and, um, the, like, Ryuji and his wife are very concerned, they're like, are you okay? Because you're, like, soaking wet, and they're like, no, we're okay, we're okay. And it's, it's kind of very sweet, because, uh, Yuri's just like, congratulations, and he's like, thank you. And um, his wife is like, are you sure you don't need any help? Like, no, we're good. And it's just very sweet because Yuri's kind of like, oh, I'm so glad he's happy. You know? Yeah. Because I think he really stood up for her. I think it's also bittersweet, though, because I think, without saying, she probably always had feelings for him because he did stood up for her. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's also like she recognizes how happy he is and she's not a Mm -hmm. selfish person. Like, she's happy that he's happy. 
And she's also found a person that she can trust now, too. Yeah. So she's like... And she's learned to take care of herself a little bit, too. Yeah. Because she, she really did stand up for herself, standing up to that guy at the end. So, like... And she's she's kicking drugs. Like, she's like... She's, yeah, she's, like, moving on. And Leo kind of asked her to, like, do you want to come back to my place? She's like, yeah, I think I do. Because, like, every, her captors are all dead, so... Yeah, and she cares? has no one else, either, so... Um, yeah. And like you said, they kind of have a new purpose. So he continues boxing. And in the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. his trainer's like, you know, you don't act decided when you win. You don't even, like, do anything when you win. Like, you just kind of, like, walk yeah. away. And I don't know if this is a new Oh, because he was abandoned by his parents, too. He's yeah. an orphan. I forgot to say yeah. that. He kind of says yeah. that throwaway line. But he's like, I don't fucking have parents. Like, they abandoned me when I was a kid. So yeah. he's never had anyone either. Exactly. And so he continues boxing and she starts to detox from the drugs. And when he wins for the first time, we see him win and he's like legitimately like almost like crying out of happiness. Yeah. And she goes to like rehab and um, it's such a cute ending scene. You can say it. It's no, so it's it's so they that you just see it's like a snowy a snowy day and they walk into mm-hmm. the camera is like a long shot uh, so it's a ways away but very, you see them walk into yeah you see them walk into the apartment together and it's it's implied it's not said but it's heavily implied they're a couple now so yeah it's yeah. pretty sweet it's it's yeah. very nice and honestly like they never kiss this no, entire they movie they never they kiss don't. there's nothing sexual. That happens between the two of them. Um, but you can tell there's love there. And I yeah. do, I like that about the movie. Not that, like, there's nothing wrong with kissing. But it is interesting that it is, it is a love story. But it's not an overly sappy or dramatic one. Yeah, it, I thought it was really yeah. interesting. Do you ever do this? So sometimes when it's a movie, like, you, you pick it. And I don't really know anything about it. I'll just read the synopsis on Amazon Prime because it's really... Amazon is usually really mm-hmm. good about not giving spoilers away in the synopsis. And it actually mm-hmm. used the word when a young boxer and a call girl fall passionately in love. I'm like, passionately in love? Like, I yeah. did not feel that from watching this I movie. think they, they do eventually, but it's not like a lusty... I think we, we think passionate and we think like lust. Yeah. Like, immediate physical attraction. When I think like... It's more of a, they've both found someone to take care of and to take care of them. Yeah. And it's that whole, like, they feel like home now. Yeah, it's sweet. But it's sweet. Like, I feel like through all the violence and the comedic relief and crazy action, it is this very sweet ending of just like, oh, and they're okay. They're going to be okay. Maybe, and it's not like they, like, live in a lavish place. They live in, like, an, a normal apartment um, next to, like, like a work yard so it's probably not the fanciest department but like they seem happy and safe and it's just nice and i guess like the clean white snow is like a fresh start it's kind of kind of really sweet um did you have any pros or cons that we hadn't already mentioned yeah 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 um so the pros what i like about this movie is that um the filmmaking is very, like, cool and edgy. It has, like, this mm-hmm. darker palette, but at the same time, it's very, like, crisp. Um, so it's, it's a yeah. pretty film, which sounds, like, really basic. Be like, oh, it's a pretty movie. But it is, like, a pretty movie to watch. There's a lot of really pretty shots. Like, when um, Gondo's driving off into the sunset, it's coming to his whim. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a lot of prettiness to it. I like the dark comedy. So when it was funny, it was really, really funny. Um, yes. 
Now, I will say some of the Kongs. I think um, there's a lot going on that's kind of jumbled. I think it kind of makes yeah. it a little bit confusing watching it the first time around. Because it's like, who's this mm-hmm. character? Wait, who's this? Where do they belong? Is this a Yakuza? Is this a triad? What's going on? Um, and yes. then more than that, I think this suffers from Definitely. what a lot of, um, not all movies, but a lot of movies have this very, has this have this issue where their side characters are a lot more interesting than their protagonists. Like, I didn't, yes. I didn't dislike Leo and Yuri. I just, I really no. didn't feel like, I, I hate to say this, but I didn't feel very passionately about any of these characters watching yes. this movie. I, like, uh, literally, Julie and Kaze were the most interesting characters. Um, and all the other minor characters were interesting, too, but they were the two most interesting ones. I do, I mean, at least they give Yuri, like, drug addiction to overcome. And, like, yeah. a weird, like, a sad background with her father. So, like, they gave her enough to, like, be, be somewhat interesting. But she's kind of blasé. Um, and Leo, like, you know, they don't give Leo a lot of stuff except the, the boxing thing. And that is important. But, like, I feel like there are so many characters that that is not the central plot point. Um, yeah. It's almost like they are side characters. They're just the side we're seeing. That sounds bad. But, I mean, yeah. it just is, like, there's not a whole lot of development there. But at least they do grow and change. So I would say, yeah, I agree. Like, they're not the most interesting people. Even though they do have things going on. Um I also love the way it looks. I love, like, the neon lights of Tokyo. Yeah. Um, is very interesting. Um, and the color palette is very interesting. Um, yeah, I really like it. And I, I did like all the performances. Nobody was kind yeah. of blub. But I was very confused who was a triad and who was a y- Yakuza towards the end. Like, the main people I got. But, like, when someone would double-cross someone, I was like, wait, what yeah. gang does he work for? Exactly. Because they don't really say people's names. Like, they did occasionally. Like, one was Ichikawa, but then, like, a lot of them, they didn't say the names. And I felt really... I was like, oh. did they say it and I just missed it? Or you know what did they didn't help? It? it didn't help that Kaze was actually acquainted with both sides, too. So, especially when they yes. were talking to uh, Kaze, I was like, okay, who is this? So... Yeah. But, yeah, the humor is really great. I also love the crazy trumpet music. Oh, yeah, yeah, like the jazz score. They used, it had, like, a jazz-inspired yeah. score. But, yeah, I do think this movie takes a little while to get into. Like, it took me a few minutes to get into it. Yeah. Um, and it's not really profound or shocking like his other movies. I was expecting either to be way gorier and sh- more shocking. Um... It's just, it's not like a masterpiece. Like, Audition, I felt like we watched a masterpiece. And this yeah. one is kind of like, it's great. It's really good. But I will say it's like, it's kind of like a tamed down Kill Bill Part 1. Yeah. You know? Also, it's not quite as epic as I thought it was going to be. This movie, um, the third act was its best thing. Which, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with having a very strong third act. But it felt like a little bit of an uphill battle getting to that third act. Yeah, which, the second time I, I watched it, I'm not really sure what you could cut to make it a little quicker. Yeah. Like, I was I was like, eh, I don't know if there is anything to cut. I think he did a good job editing it. Um, But, it, I mean, again, I, again, this is more of, like, a fun movie. It's more of an action comedy. 
with a little bit of romance thrown in. So, like, I, I, I recommend it if you just want something kind of fun. And inter- it's at least, like, interesting and really well made. It's kind of like that movie Mayhem we did, where it was, like, it was, like, a nice watch. But I wouldn't say it's earth-shattering. I would know. agree with that. But it's fun. Absolutely. I don't think Takeshi Miike thinks it's earth-shattering, the way he introduced it at TIFF. He was, like, he was like, I don't know if it's what you guys are expecting, but, you know, it's what it is. But I like it. I think it's fun. And I think the comedy shines through. Um, did you have a rating out of 10? For it? I did. I feel bad because I actually have given this rating. This is the third time I've given this rating in a row. Um, but I gave it a 7. Um, the reason I gave it a 7 is because, once again, I wasn't really blown away. But I really do like the comedy elements. So I'm a sucker for dark comedy. Um, and there was a lot of that in this movie. And I really did enjoy that. Um, the runtime wasn't super bad. This one clocked in about, I think, an hour and 47 minutes, I want to say. Um, so I would mm-hmm. agree with you. Nothing extraordinary, um, but it could be a fun watch, especially with like a group of friends. I think. So yeah, I think it'd be fun with a group of people. I also gave it a seven out of ten. Um, I liked it, but again, I don't think it's earth shattering. But I think yeah. it's enjoyable. I'm glad we did. I'm, I like to see other Takeshi Miike stuff because I do think he's a really good director, and he's very prolific. So I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be able to see all of his work. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> I think this one was worth worth the watch. I can't wait until Itchy the Killer's back on streaming. Because I really want to watch that one. Because everyone's like, it's crazy. But I really want to see how crazy it is. Although sometimes people say that about movies that we do. And then I'm like, was it crazy? Maybe I'm just numb to the violence now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a yeah. um another a Grindhouse rating? I do, I do. I actually, it, um, it's not my best, but I gave it an H for high-speed chases, hardware stores, and humanity. That's cute. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I gave it a D for decapitations, or drugs, decapitations, and deadly love. Ah, uh, I like, okay, so I I almost have given D for decapitations again a couple times, but then that was our very first episode was D for decapitation, so. It's been long enough. There were two yeah. decapitations in this movie. There was, there was. Uh, yeah, yes. Okay, well, that is, that is, um, First Love. Woo! By Takeshi Miike. It was a nice, it was a nice, fun stop. Last week we got really involved on the mythos. A meaning of a Rob Zombie movie, which I didn't think we'd have that much to talk about a Rob Zombie movie. But Lords of Salem provides us with a lot of stuff, so thank you, Stephanie, for bringing that to us. This movie was a lot more fun. Yes. Um, so it was nice. Again, like, I'm always a little disappointed when the movies I pick isn't, like, a masterpiece. But it's still oh, it's okay. fun. At least it was fun to watch. I was like, at least it was fun. It was a cute little movie. Yeah, and with I, decapitations I, everywhere. I like it that sometimes you know. I mean, you were never gonna know until we watch it either. So we're just never gonna know what to True. expect until we watch something. So yes, yeah. And when when we did audition, and I was trying to find information about audition, this movie kept coming up. So I was like, "What is first love?" Um, so when it, I think it just came on Prime recently. Or at least my prime just told me about it recently. So, uh, I guess with that, it's time to pick next week's movie and it's Brit's pick of the week. That's my, that's my song. 
That's your song. That's your song. I enjoy it. Um, so me and Katie actually talk about this pick um, before we ever start recording. Because um, I definitely want to make sure it was something she was ready to do. So we, our good friends, are actually, because uh, we are a small podcast and we love to do things that are streaming conveniently for our audience. But we also like to stay in the loop and uh, keep up with new things. Uh, but of course, guys, we are talking about the uh, sequel to the 1992 film Candyman, which is, of course, Candyman 2021, um, which is about to be in theaters this Friday. And it's directed by Nia DeCosta, uh, who is a female director. And as you know, we are suckers uh, for female directors mm-hmm. on this podcast as well. We are. And if you haven't seen the original one, which is very confusing because on Amazon Prime they have on my app an early access and it's the poster for the new Candyman movie. But then you scroll down, and it's the old Candyman movie, um, which I just find confusing. But um, if you want to watch the original Candyman, there's several of them. I've only seen the first one. I was very impressed by it. Um, and yeah. the main character is a is a woman, and uh, the main character in this movie is a man. Um, but there's a lot of um, racial politics. Yeah, in the Jordan Peele is a writer. Of the movies. Yeah. Yes, and Jordan Peele's a writer and I think producer for this one. So I'm interested because the main character in the original movie is a white woman who's studying like urban legends. And her her partner is a black woman, but she's kind of like a white woman going into a predominantly black, um, poor neighborhood in Chicago. Um, something green, I can't remember now. Um, but this movie, the is the person that's kind of studying this legend is a black man. And so I think it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited that they went a very different direction because they're not just trying to remake the same movie. Um, but I'm curious because like, I was kind of like, Ooh, female lead character. So I'm a little annoyed it's a man, but I'm interested that it's a different viewpoint. As I adjust my glasses, spoiler alert, um, the main male character was in the original Candyman. This is actually okay. a direct sequel to <gasps> the original is Candyman. It, is it the... Okay, so... But it makes... But I'm, I'm still like... Mm, yeah, so apparently there's a lot of characters from the original Candyman mm-hmm. that come back in this movie. I think yeah. Tony Todd comes back. He is. Oh, yeah. The one and only Tony Todd. So, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Candyman was originally uh, a short story called The Forbidden by Clive Barker, too. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, it is a Clive Barker, I'm I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, so this one's different. It takes place in modern day, but it has a lot of the same themes. But it's from a different person's perspective, but it's the same urban legend. But it seems like they've updated it a lot more to be less... Because there was a bit of a white savior complex in the first one. A little bit. Just a bit. I don't think they were doing it on purpose, but there was a little bit of that. So I think this is interesting that it's coming from a different person. Um, which, and that Jordan Peele's producing it because yeah. I love Jordan Peele. Which, I uh, liked Us. I don't know, understand why people don't like uh, Us. I don't like the ending, but I really like Funny enough, uh, Katie already knows this, but I have to say again, Jordan Peele is, uh, post-production for his third movie, which is simply called Nope. Yes! Yeah. Yes! So. I've seen, I've been watching and waiting, yeah. anticipating. But I like him. He's such a good writer and, um... He just has such, I don't know, he has a way of, like, tackling very tough 
situations and social commentary without, I don't know, he's just, like, he makes everybody listen to his social commentary while entertaining you in such a, a finessed way without trying to, like, he's just honest about it. I don't know. He's just very honest and it's just, I appreciate him. So thanks, Jordan Peele. And I love that his new movie's called Nope. Aww, yep. Um, but anyways, so we're gonna watch Candyman! Yay! I'm excited! Me too. I, I hope, to... I hope this movie lives up to its promises. Yes. But if it doesn't, we'll just talk about the old one. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. will talk about all the reasons you shouldn't probably see the the sequel in theaters. So we'll just True. see though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's nice to see it opening weekend, because... Um, yeah, and just, you know, we are going to wear masks, we're both vaccinated, but we're going to wear masks and try to social distance as much as possible. This one's going to make me a little nervous, because I feel like there are going to be a lot of people that are going to go. Maybe maybe not as much on the day we're going to see it as... Maybe not. The other days, so... Yeah, but I'm excited. Me too. I'm excited, so... Me too. Yeah, so we hope you guys are excited too. Sorry, yeah, but, uh, yeah... But thanks for tuning in, guys. We're going to have to say goodnight now because it's about 1030. Gizmo's going to be needing to go to bed. I need to go to bed. Brittany yeah. needs to go to bed. We know Riley's going to sleep in. Who's going to sleep in? Riley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Riley. Oh, Brittany you see took the funniest picture of Riley him? in you bed. See him over there? In the pillow. Wait, let me move my little thing. Hold on. I got to move my Oh, Riley. Hi, Baba. Sweet boy. He's literally sleeping on the bed. And if you turn the camera so just a little funny. more, you'll see Pogo on the end there, too. Oh, yeah. Did we tell you? Oh, we said last week Pogo had an adventure. He did. And now he won't Pogo be decided to run away. So, And Mabel's there, too. She's blending in with the bathrobe. But Mabel's on the yes. bed as well. So. Mabel's, Mabel's the quiet, sneaky one. Yeah, Mabel um, is all black. So you, it's hard to see her. But she is blended in over there so yeah i'll probably wake gizmo up out of his nap to go to bed and then he'll be crazy that's fine it's all good yeah but but okay everybody but um so we are about to sign off as per the usual thank you so very much um we are so glad you decided to spend a little bit of your day with us um so if you're on your morning commute hello i hope you have a good day at work if you're at the end of your commute, yeah. hi there. I'm so glad you made it for your day. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, as a yes. reminder, uh, this is your reminder for a hydration shot. Drink some water, you thirsty, beautiful bitch. Uh, Katie, you got anything to say? Yes. Uh, take your vitamins. Get your vaccine. Wear a mask. Delta's no joke, y'all. Um, but be safe and be kind to one another. Um, whether you're here, there, or in between. Um, we love you. We thank you so much for listening and spending a small part of our, your day with us. As Brittany always says, it's very much appreciated. We love you guys so much. And thank you for giving us a platform to talk about movies for two yes. hours. With. Yes. Um, we love you guys. We love the interactions and we're just really excited, um, that you guys are here with us and yeah, have a great week. It's almost spooky season. Yes. Next week is September, and it's going to be the spooky... I start spooky season in September. Yeah, me personally. too. Personally. 
So, um, can't wait to watch some spooky movies. Hopefully we'll get more Halloween-y themed. Um, I think Candyman's kind of in there because it is pretty classic horror movie. And we'll we'll try to get, we've got some interesting things for Spooktober this year. It's going to be a little different than last year. But all I think it's going to be more fun than last year. Um, but we're very excited, and um, we just want you guys to be safe and happy. And um, yeah, and have a great time out there, guys. Yeah, and as always, we uh, still look forward to seeing you. Uh, same time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Have a good night. Be safe Bye. out there. Bye, Nike. Bye. Bye, guys. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.